0: Welcome to the December Fourteenth edition of the PFF Forecast. It is a Seth Double Dip, Will Seth Sandwich, with uh, Judah Fortgang talking live, betting strategy in the middle. Brad Spielberger, as usual, joining me. We are going to get into the Thursday night and Sunday night games. Talk to Seth about it. Pick some, pick some smart bets, and uh, we'll close it out with Tej Seth Lock of the Week. Let's. Uh, Seth, you look a lot more put together than the last time. I just want to compliment you on that. Good job.
1: I, I'm coming back from, I went up for dinner for dinner. So I had no choice here. I just, I've had a lot of things on camera today by on camera. Okay. I mean like what we're doing now. So I, I had no choice. Mm-hmm. A lot of, a lot of people have seen me today, which is not, which is unusual for a, a weekday. What's uh, you want to give the, are you going to give the restaurant a recommendation?
0: What, where'd you go? Was it a date? Tell us all.
1: I, I went with my best friend. We went to Au Vivre, which is um, the, Montreal's first vegan restaurant. Uh, I mean, there's many locations now, but when it came out, yeah. when it, the first one was the Montreal's first vegan restaurant. So it's good. It was very good. Uh, I had the fake BLT. Uh, Brad, how do you feel about vegan restaurants? What's
0: your have you first? Have you been to like a specifically vegan? There
2: was one in New Orleans. I'm not gonna remember the name. That was actually one of the better restaurants like I've been to. Uh, and I didn't know it was vegan. The three or four times I ate there, my wife just brought it home and didn't tell me intentionally. Mm. And I was, this place is incredible. We got to go there. And she kind of pulled like a, hey, by the way, it's vegan. Um, so that's my only experience though. I'm not. I'm not well versed.
0: My take on it is, if you're going to proclaim yourself a vegan restaurant. You have to be good because there are vegan options at every restaurant. So if you don't really separate yourself, right? Like there's not enough vegan people in every group to like make a market out of that. So you've got to like, you got to set your, you can't have moderately good vegan food. There isn't a market for it. when you're
2: going out to dinner it's, i do have one sad. one comment for the vegan food community mm. uh which i respect to the utmost thank degree, you of course but stop saying like you're making you know they say like oh we have like chicken tend, like vegan chicken tenders like no those aren't chicken like just say mm. what it is just own that you're eating beetroot what you or whatever it, it is then? like stop trying to like, oh, we have vegan meatballs like no you don't because it's not a, you know it's a so it's what an would you of a food so anyway that's that's my spiel tempeh tenders yeah okay. and satan yeah, go satan burrito you know just yeah. you know, oh be se-
0: honest <laughs> satan burritos are really i think that they're going to take off especially if you got a little It's logo okay this has gone uh, far too far too far this is why people tune in actually um someone hit me up uh dm me and asked me for a recommendation on something like non uh, betting related it was about the article i recommended um on sbf that sequoia capital um wrote is this insane puff piece um, I am going to, uh, send it to him, but you can find it on like the Wayback machine because they took it off the website when, uh, the thing went down, but it it's a 13,000 word hour and 15 minute long read time. And the best part is they describe the, um, CEO of Alameda research. Who was his girlfriend, who was one of the like 15 people living with him in the penthouse in the Bahamas as a sultry wood nymph, uh, as they dine together <laughs> after a LARP. So I'm telling you like, this thing is worth reading Did you say um, after a LARP. Yes, a live action role-playing. That was their like crucial meetup. Anyways, I won't spoil any more of the amazing piece. Um, Let's talk some football here. Uh, Thursday night, I'm very excited for this game. It is uh, 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Before we even get into it, I was alerted today. I've been in a hole working, and I did not realize that Brock Purdy injured himself in the wild rompus of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Apparently a rib injury, Brad. Do we have any insight on that? Or was like Josh Johnson going to play? What's the deal?
2: Oblique bleak injury. Uh, he was limited this week. I think he's still going to play, but we might get some Josh Johnson on his, I don't know, 19th NFL team, uh, which would be a treat.
1: Fourth Josh Johnson the 49ers.
2: 49ers. Well, okay. So he's already been on the t- Okay. But nevertheless. <laughs>
0: um, okay. So this is three and a half. Uh, 49ers are favored, but it is in Seattle. Um, Seahawks a little bit of a slide recently. They're six and seven against the spread. Niners, nine and four overall, eight and five uh, against the spread. They have won one, two, three, four, five, six straight games and covered all but one of those since getting destroyed in week seven by the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, they've played the Bucks, Dolphins, Saints, Cardinals with Colt McCoy, Chargers, who they did not cover against, and the Rams. So, you know, some teams that are certainly struggling so Seth, you look at these two teams and you think about okay the Niners have really dominated people from a defensive standpoint. Is there a you know is there a matchup that the Seahawks can take advantage of on the other side of this or do you see the mismatch on the 49ers end?
1: I mean, I would say overall the C, the 49ers defense doesn't have a lot of holes just based on the way they play a lot of zone coverage and stuff like that. They don't play a lot of man coverage because they they just don't have the players. Now, they did add Chevarius Ward so they could play it this offseason. Uh, they added Chavarrius Ward this offseason so that they could play it, but they're mm-hmm. still mostly a zone team. And I think that you kind of could have an advantage there with the two outside receivers. Well, the two receivers for the Seahawks and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who are really playing at a super high level this season. So I think, think that would be the one area it would be – I mean, the Seahawks would – Love it if the two rookie tackles could handle the edge presence of the 49ers because that would go a long way in telling you that you, you really got the right guys there. Uh and both guys have played pretty well this year for for rookies, especially. So I think those are the interesting matchups to look for. I do think if you're I think Gino is the matchup breaker because he's playing so well. I mean, it's been off. Maybe a little bit the last couple of weeks, though I'd say more of the defense being really bad has, has led them to these losses. But yeah, Gino is probably, outside of the receivers, like the person, Gino versus the entire 49ers defense is probably the best matchup they have. So uh,
2: our former co-worker, longtime friend of the show, Richard Sherman, um, had a cool segment that inspired this question. He was on uh, Kevin Clark, The Ringer Show, and, and talked about how Kyle Shanahan specifically wanted to go to Atlanta back in the day to learn Dan Quinn's defense, the cover three, just so he could then dismantle it because so many teams were running it. And that was like a big part of his philosophy. So hmm. kind of tangential, but that's what inspired this question. So the Seahawks obviously have been running that, you know, cover three scheme for the longest time. But this year they made Sean Desai, who's with the Chicago Bears for a long time. A Vic Fangio, you know, too high cover six, you know, all that disciple. What has Seattle shown that is different this year now that they have a different influence as the assistant head coach? You know, Clint Hurt more of the Pete Carroll philosophy, uh, you know, Sean Desai more that Vic Fangio too high. How have they kind of blended those things in Seattle?
1: Yeah, they are playing. I think they're going to end up with probably the second highest rate of cover six. And by cover six, I mean quarter, quarter, half or half, quarter, quarter, depending on uh, which side of the field you're playing it to. And they've done that a lot. I mean, Quandre Diggs is still like, I think he has like the third most amount of snaps as a middle of the field safety. So they do spin to one high, and it's Quandre Diggs going, um, going there and Ryan Neal coming down to the box. Having a an above average year for sure. Having a good year, I would say. Still, I do think they missed Jamal Adams in that type of role. Um, the versatility that that Adams would have brought to that role. I think when they play those coverages, they're a little and look, they haven't been great on defense recently. Um think their issue is they're trying to maybe a little too basic, maybe a little too basic and without kind of answers. You know, the thing with with playing one coverage, and we've kind of talked about it with like the the Cowboys. Honestly, we can talk, talk about it with the Giants later. When you're playing a one defense to a certain degree, you at least know the weaknesses of your own defense and how to fix them. And it, that's kind of what it feels like the issue is there in Seattle, where it's like they're trying to do – this new thing and they don't have their own answers. They don't know what the answers are. They're a little, it ends up being a little basic and teams are kind of putting them uh, to the sword to a certain degree formationally in terms of play calls. We saw the Mm -hmm. Panthers walk down the field running the same play, basically the, basically the entire fourth quarter. So they're dealing with that. I think they probably expected better play from maybe the defensive line uh than they're getting it hasn't been bad. I think it's been there's been flashes, especially by the interior group. That's been good. I certainly think they expected a lot more. Maybe they didn't expect a lot more, but they're not getting anything out of a pass rush from their edge presence outside of in fact by their whole D line outside of uh Nuosu, who's who's been good, but he hasn't been elite, right? So it's like even that is is pushing it. So that's kind of where they are right now at defense. I think it puts a lot of stress on uh, Jordan Brooks and and Cody Barton to make a lot of plays that I think they're I do think they're a good duo, uh, a good tandem, but it just puts a lot of stress on them. So, and they're not, they're not, you know, the issue for Seahawks and the Seahawks fans is like, they're not Bobby and KJ, right. Good players, but not Bobby and KJ.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I was looking at the um, kind of anticipating picking something in this game aside from the Niners against the spread. And, uh, you know, the the thing that stuck out to me is, and you can see this on pff.com with PFF Plus subscription, um, also get uh, the PFF app uh, and get, unlock all of those betting tools, with the PFF Plus subscription as well. Um, but, you know, the one kind of weakness for the 49ers on defense would seem to be uh, their cor- their corner not named Charverius Ward, which yeah. is Diamandor Lenore. 86 out of 120 corner, cornerbacks in PFF grade, um, you know, and, and DK Metcalf having a good season, probably under the radar, to be quite honest, but like both he and, and Tyler Lockett, top 15 graded guys, Gino, top 10 graded guy. And the, um, you know, the, the back end of the 49ers defense, their safeties have been good, but they're by no means the, the, kind of the best duo in the NFL, at least according to PFF grade. So it seemed like they could take advantage of that. I guess the question is, you know, and it's breaking my own rule of like asking another question, but just very quickly, Seth, does, do you think they have enough time to get the ball to DK Metcalf down the football field or is Nick Bosa uh, just going to, to eat uh, these tackles too quickly?
1: Yeah, I think that's obviously, like I said, that's the big question, Mark. You watched them last week. I feel like the whole O-line was really good last week. against the Panthers. Now the Panthers aren't, as good as the 49ers. They do have Brian Burns, who was who was held in check by both tackles, especially Charles Cross, who looked awesome. Mm-hmm. That that this is a test, right? Like this is what this is what it's going to come down to in this game. And I think there's a possibility. I have liked what I've seen out of Cross and Lucas on the other mm-hmm. side, but obviously you have to side with Bosa, who continues to be just, just a one of one type of player. Okay. One of two type of player, considering his, you know brother, brother. <laughs> um okay look i am seeing
0: uh a couple of minus threes out there um this opened three and a half um and uh i i'm gonna ride with the niners minus three here in this game um i also kind of like over 43 but i think my favorite uh, side here is, is minus three i did see dk uh in some places and I, let me see if i can find this right now um, on the PFF app, actually, you can see the the spreads of different sports books and bet right there. Um, I want to
2: say that he was at three and a half. So um, he's at four and a half now for okay. receptions. And I want to touch on that because you mentioned it really quick. Uh, if this influences any of your thoughts, Tra- Traverius Ward has played over 80% of snaps on the left side. And DK Metcalf has played over 80% of snaps on, on the offense's left side. Yeah. So they're probably not going to see each other the a lot unless... Side. Um. Yeah. So, so I, I found that interesting for DK, uh, and that might play into my my thoughts later. It's, it's like
0: minus one sixty on BetMGM. What is it on FanDuel here? Um. But yeah, that was kind of my thought. Um.
2: Minus one seventy two. So I, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to stick with the Niners. Brad, what about you? Yeah, so I didn't like the receptions, and he also obviously is, you know, sometimes can be one of those low volume, but, you know, a bunch of yards on a particular catch. So in full transparency, Greenline does not like the the over four and a half receptions. I know you said three and a half. Some sites are four and a half. They like the under there, but it's about neutral on 64 and a half receiving yards. So I'm going to go over there. As good as Lockett and Metcalf have been, I think Lockett will see a lot of Trevarius Ford, who's one of our highest graded cornerbacks in the entire NFL. And, and Gino now has been throwing outside the numbers a ton the last couple of weeks. Maybe part of the issue why he's been not playing as well, but he really looks for those guys a ton, and I think he'll be looking DK Metcalf's way a bunch.
1: So there's, there's two what things you? that I'm yeah, there's two things that I'm like kind of thinking about right now. So the first one has to do with Brock Purdy. So the number isn't out there yet because like you said, the injury, I mean, he doesn't play. I would really look at over, it'll probably be 0.5 interceptions. I would probably look at the over. I think he's, I think you look at a guy like that and he is very different than, than Jimmy. I was talking to a friend of mine this afternoon, uh, a friend of the podcast, I'm sure Ben Solak. And yes. he was saying he is a Brock Purdy is not a Jimmy. He's a high and, I, and then I watched the tape and it's like, oh, yeah, he is a guy who's going to scramble around. He's going to try and make a bunch of plays. He's going to evade rushers. And he's had two good games in a row. And you know what that means? A snickers coming. Now, nah, maybe Brock Rudy is the second coming of, of, of the best quarterback of all time. Like, I don't know. Uh, I would probably say no. But we, you know, and we obviously tend to hype these guys up when they come in and they're a quarterback and they're a rookie and they, they win two games, right? We just hype them up. I think there's a, I think there's a – Good chance that some of those really nice balls that he's thrown become interceptions. I mean, he did throw an interception. I think he threw two interceptions. Uh one one to a guy he didn't see and one, I think, maybe on a tip ball. But I I I ooh, it's coming. I got a feeling it's coming. Now, Shanahan obviously is like one of the best in the business, and he'll and even in the Bucks game, he tried to keep him from just straight dropping back and, and throwing the football. They they booted him out, screens run the football, do all that stuff. But I think it 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 really it could be I think Ben put out a video where is, he,
2: throws, he throws the kittle between two defenders, and like both guys could have picked it off if they were like a foot closer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other thing to,
1: to think about uh, is Gino came out today. I was talking to another friend. Apparently, Gino came out on a pre, in a press conference saying, "I got to check the ball down more. I'm making too many mistakes on the field." I don't know, you know, whether that's in under completions, I don't know, or maybe over completions. If you're going to take a bunch of checkdowns under yards, if you think those, you know, the 49ers against checkdowns, probably not a great idea because they rally and tackle. So just something to keep in mind when you're playing your bets is is Gino talking about taking a lot of checkdowns and and taking the easy stuff.
0: Yeah. And maybe that's just uh, to psych, you know, maybe he's just, he's running a nice play fake.
1: He's good. Like throw the ball, Gino. You're good. Like yeah, you made uh, made a really stupid mistake in the you know first play of the games against the Panthers, but like you're good. Keep throwing it. Sunday night. Speaking of
0: Taylor Heineke, we have Taylor Heineke in the flesh. Giants, Commanders, a battle of NFC East um, rivals. Uh, amazingly, the Giants nine and four against the spread, seven five and one. Commanders seven five and one, seven five and one against the spread. These two teams tied two weeks ago, the commanders were two and a half point favorite in New York. They are now a four and a half point favorite. We debated this on Sunday night a little bit uh, about how much we would kind of move the spread after that tie. And, uh, it is basically as we suggested still at minus four and a half commanders. Um, and this has, uh, has not really moved all that much, um, out from four to four and a half, um, uh, you know, as of Sunday night to, to now. So, um, you mentioned Heineke. I, I'm guessing this is not where you're going to go, Seth, but what's the matchup that you see as the key to this game?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be probably Giants' offensive line versus the Washington defensive line. They're, look, I, we're, I know Brad and you're going to ask me about Dan Jones, but like I'll, I'll get ahead of you right here. They... Run one of the fakest offenses, and that means they're going to try and run the football, and that means they're going to play action and do all that stuff. And I think that they can hold up against a good a, a, a defensive front that can stop the run and can get after the passer. I think they'll be okay. um So I think that probably is probably the matchup to watch. I would say, and Andrew Thomas obviously playing at a super elite level Evan Neal on the other side, not quite, but I think think they can probably hold up enough and then you're looking okay uh if you're at the Giants offense.
2: Yeah well I guess you you still you uh touched on it but I'll go there anyway. So I mean you know I think it's a fairly easy question but Daniel Jones has had some flashes had some moments he's always had the excuses of you know no offensive line this year not really many receivers around him If you're the Giants, do you entertain the idea like a franchise tag and see what's there, or do you just say, let's just move on and and, and start over?
1: Probably ready to move on and start over. I know he's had an uh, okay season, but again, you look at what he was the last two seasons under Jason Garrett, the offensive coordinator, and it was a tough offense for him, but he didn't excel in it. And again, I understand supporting cast. I get that. But it was a tough offense. It was an offense for for a quarterback who could really make the plays time and time again. Couldn't do it. All of a sudden, and and kudos to Dable and Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, put him in this offense. It is like, they do not let him drop back and throw the football a lot. And when they do, it's literally like one passing concept that they love. So we've seen this play out before. We continue to see it play out. These are the guys who you could find other, in other places while you look for the franchise quarterback who can really play no matter what the system is in hard systems and in, in tough environments and stuff like that. So that's where I'm like, I just don't, I don't think there's a point anymore to see what you have out of Daniel Jones. He's, he, you know, what you have a Daniel Jones and it's not an, uh, it's it's not an elite quarterback and probably never will be an elite quarterback.
0: You know, he's not an elite but he isn't God awful. And, you know, (laughs) I think when I look at this game, you know, there's some, some mismatches that I, I like, and I think it's surprising well, probably to many people, if they look at the defensive grades for the New York Giants, um, I'll just read through the, the rank in PFF grade for their defensive backfield. 74th, 118th, 62nd, 42nd, 76th. And by the way, both their, their their linebackers have graded really poorly. So I look at a guy like Terry McLaurin, fifteenth in the NFL in, in PFF grade, and I like that quite a bit. Um, thinking about the spread, though, um, you know the the home field advantage in Washington, I think it is you know being a little bit overrated here, um, and I think that the difference in quarterback play is being underrated. Taylor yeah. Heineke, forty nine PFF grade, Daniel Jones, seventy PFF grade, and so that to me is kind of the edge that, that I think over the market. Um, And so I'll take giants plus four and a half in a game with a total of 40 and a half, like it's going to be freezing cold, 33 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't think too much wind, but both these teams are not particularly dynamic defense uh, offensively. And so um I like giants plus four and a half. And, and when player props come out, I think I will be looking to Terry McLaurin overs um as well. Uh, Seth, what about you?
1: Well, I'm Totally on the same page. Taylor Haneke in the game, in the tie game in New York, 49.1 PFF grade, and they tie the game, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you do that, you do that again, you're not winning. Uh, you're not tying, you're not winning, and you're losing by more than four and a half points. So yeah, 100%, I think you got to take four and a half with the with the Giants.
2: Yeah, we're all on the same page there. I would just mention Uh-oh. two. Uh, yeah, it's a, we got a social at the first for the uh, the, the Seth Forname section of the show. Um, but also, like, the ovary. It is going to be cold, but there is no wind. And 32 is not terrible. You mentioned the lack of a home field. Look, it's two hours from New York on December 18th. There might be more Giants fans there than Commanders fans for all we know. Um, but also, you just mentioned – both teams are very good on the interior of the defensive line, so maybe they'll run less because that is the thing they cannot do is run between the tackles. They're a little bit more, and there are injuries to both secondaries. Uh, I, th- I think that maybe you know leads to some points.
1: Here's a here's a random stat for you guys that I yeah. looked up. I was looking up some other thing. On RPO plays, Washington leads the league by handing the ball off on 88% of them. You know how much the dolphins are the opposite end of the spectrum at only 27%. Wow. And it's like, and then the dolphins have a very, very specific RPO that they run over and over that just defenses have no no clue how to deal with until last Sunday. Yeah. But um it's very interesting to think about. It's funny, me and Chris were talking about this. Me and Chris Collinsworth are talking about Sick, this. Sick, bro. <laughs> um, just like we don't have to get into the whole discussion of RPOs, but it's really is something that I think I've thought about a lot over the years. It's like, Hey, we, we have to treat these RPOs as not as runs two passes, but as passes to runs. And like, you have to be really selling out on Tua, for example, for him to not give the ball to the running back. Like they're telling him and guess what he he's adding, he's, he leads the league, even though they don't lead the league in total RPO throws. He leads the league in in yards per attempt on RPOs by like four yards, like 10.5 yards per attempt mm. on RPO throws because they're like, screw it. You're going to throw it. We have we have advantages because we've given you all this quote-unquote RPO action. Anyways, it's so not my pet that, peeve. I have a pet peeve for you. Okay, yeah. okay. So that would mean it'd be a pass run option? It's a pass run option.
0: A pro. It's a pro. Yeah. Really sick um <laughs>
1: uh okay it is pet peeve time um what so, is yeah. your pet peeve um i'm actually surprised i honestly it's very possible that i already said this on the show because it is my number one pet peeve so i would be surprised if i haven't said it before Oh, wow. however i don't remember yeah um read option so i'm gonna sound like i'm going to sound like a pompous piece of shit here okay um so it, is, is it otherwise weird. when you so nothing say... different really actually
3: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> uh, the term read option is just redundant and i know it's just it's became and i gotta accept it that it just became a thing that that people say but the it's a read is an option and an option is a read so you're not really explaining what's going on in the play when you say a read option we can just say option i mean that's what we said for was what we said for 50 years before someone's decided to say read option we mm. who say that team is that Nebraska is running the option. They're not running the read option. So just, just wanted to say that. there's no
2: option plays where you don't read a defender. You always read a defender on an option. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, exactly. By definition. Like if you have an option, you're choosing one or the other. Right. right, right. I mean, you might be reading it wrong. You might decide not (laughs) to read it, but you know, that's a form of a read, I guess. Right. Like, um, that that's kind of interesting, uh, and I didn't—I yeah. never really thought about it like that. Why? Do you know why? Like, it was just someone that tried to like differentiate it. Was there a shift?
1: Yeah, or... I think, I think once once team started doing the the option stuff in shotgun, it it mm-hmm. looked it was like different. Oh, a like read option. I don't know why, but it's zone read. Like the play, like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be zone read, but like if you're running mm-hmm. a zone run call and you are reading the defensive end, for example, D- describe that's a it. Zone Steph. read. We have some.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say we we're a lot of analytics folk
1: yeah. here, so you know maybe you can Buddy, just give I'm, a quick description. I am a about. top analytics guy in the industry. Okay, <laughs> all right. So so what we're talking about is like you know you see it popularized, I would say, in the NFL at least by the Washington twenty ten team, twenty eleven team, first year with RG three. And the, and the Shanahan's and McVay and LaFleur and all those guys were there. So putting the quarterback in the shotgun, but then running your classic college ops, triple option, basically, to a certain degree. Nebraska, like I said, Nebraska in the 90s and Oklahoma in the 80s and whatever. So what you're doing is you're reading your quarterback is looking at a player who's not blocked, and then you're saying – he is going to make the decision of where the ball goes based on this unblocked player. If the unblocked player runs at the running back, then the quarterback keeps the ball. If the unblocked player runs at the quarterback, then the quarterback will hand the ball off. And the idea is that that player can never be correct in his assignment. So that's basically, so it it got called the read option, but it's really the read aspect. It's read plus plus whatever play you're running so like i said a zone running call is a zone read a counter running uh, a counter run is a counter read so on and so forth that's inside football
0: with pff seth um seth we thank you very much have a wonderful evening uh thank you for the food recommendation anyone out in canada but check it out and thank you for the peppy we will see you next week peace brother all right we're gonna get to judah gang here in just a second but before we do, um, I, I talk about them a lot. But um, Brad, I don't know if you have this issue. Every single Christmas season, I get bombarded with what do you want for Christmas? And I have no idea. I don't I don't need anything. I don't really want anything. Um, please just don't waste money. I ask people for Apple stock or Amazon stock, and that just gets laughed at for some unknown reason. Um, maybe an index fund here or there would be nice. As a stocking stuffer. But if you need to pick something, Pick your own body looking better. And by that I mean Manscaped. Manscaped and the lawnmower 4.0. Um, and here's the nice thing is if you're looking for like a significant other to get you a gift, they'll they'll probably appreciate that. So it's like kind of a two for one. Forecast 20 is the promo code get free shipping and 20% off at manscaped.com. The platinum package 4.0 uh sitting under the tree is guaranteed to put anyone in the holiday spirit. Uh, that's, I'm just reading off the script. The first part was not there, Um, but uh, I highly recommend it. I use it. I travel with it. Battery life is great, um, which is super important. Uh, And uh, it's a quality product. It will not, um, you know, uh, slit a a hole in your sack. So, you know, if you're Santa, that's really important because um, as you're traveling around, you don't want, you know, anything leaking out of, you know, the the very important Christmas gifts that you're delivering to people. Um, That's manscaped, manscaped manscaped.com, promo code forecast 20. Also, Uh, Our friends at Underdog uh, and Underdog Fantasy, people think that Underdog Fantasy and fantasy games end when the season starts, but that is not true. Underdog uh, has the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season with their pick game. All you have to do is choose higher or lower on uh, totals for players, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. It's that easy. You pick between two and five players. You pick one side over or under, and if you get them all right, you win hard cash. Use promo code PFF, an underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. Speaking of money, if you, like all of the shrewd members of the printing press, are thinking about how to set yourself up for what could be a challenging 2024 it's uh, 2023, maybe 2024 as well, actually. Um, go to Western and Southern Financial Group. They will put you on a game plan to make the money moves that you so desire. Buying your first home, starting a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Whatever it is, Western Southern has a playbook for you. So go to westernsouthern.com PFF uh, and address your goals, the game plan custom built for you today. All right, uh, Judah King. he joins us every single week on Wednesdays at Throw the Damn Ball. Every single week, there are two things you can count on. One is the people on this podcast delivering new quality members of the printing press. And the other is Judah delivering an absolute delight on Sundays with a, it's a parlay. It's a same game parlay. It's an alt spread. It's an in-game line, like every single week. And you know who I find out about it from? This is the beauty of the internet. Arjun Menon brother in Christ, brother in Vishnu is so good about propping up his, his buddy. Um, and I always turn out a retweet. So it's a little uh, Sunday night to Wednesday night. Uh, PFF forecast love. Um, I'll also mention that you have been doing something really cool and members of the printing press will probably like this. You have a live stream uh, that you are rocking on Sundays where you are literally taking people through strategies. Uh, they can find it. Uh, Judah, tell us where they can find the stream because I think people really enjoy it.
3: You can find it. I think the easiest way is just to go throw the damn ball on Twitter. Uh, I'll send out a link right before Sunday. Just be on the lookout for it.
0: It's uh, it's a little like uh, trading and football combined so i think people here will enjoy it and there's usually printing of some money uh involved um okay let's get into it so let's start with um uh, an alt uh line slash parlay that you like this week again you can find all of your written content uh, on pff.com and the pff app uh, but give us a little teaser what's your favorite one this week
3: yeah so i'm thinking of Bengals spread and uh joe burrow passing props okay we're we're what 14 weeks through the season uh, I still don't understand the Bucks' love. Uh, they're like them as the tenth-ranked uh, team based on the the value of the spreads, uh, and I just don't see it. Right by by EPA, especially on offense, they're twenty-first best by my numbers. I have them at twenty-eight. Uh, in context, the Bengals are third and fourth. Right, these teams are not in the same stratosphere at all. Uh, something I also like like to point to a bunch is that like spread points. Right, when I said that the uh, Bengals are favored by three and a half points. They kind of exist in two spheres. They're one a reflection of uh, like a power rankings, right? When you have like points spread rankings, how good would this team be on a neutral field? But they also exist as real points in a real game. Uh, and when you have a struggling offense like the Bucks, just like play out the scenarios here, they're going to need to score a bunch of points to keep up with the Bengals offense. And I just don't see that happening, right? Three and a half means something different for a team like the Bucks who are struggling on offense. Uh, and I have to say, like, this is, a spot which I love to fade teams uh, that are getting downgrades based on the defensive production, right? Like the Bengals have been fine over the course of a season. Of like their average matchup, which is like accumulating to the uh, the numbers, uh, we see is not Joe Burrow in the Bengals. That offense is much better. Uh, and we're going to see, especially in the passing prop market, I think, uh, Burrow's prices are going to be depressed. Uh, but I don't think that's really fair because he's going to beat them. The matchup doesn't really matter for an offensive of that caliber. The other thing is that like, the Bengals are a shell of themselves right now on defense. Tramiel Dean, right, PFF's 10th ranked corner, he's going to be out. Vita Vale looks sure to miss. And maybe Sean Murphy bunting uh, and Anton Winfield are back, but those are no sure bets. Like, Shaq Barrett's been out for a while. They have no pass rush. Their secondary is devoid of talent. Uh, and if the market's going to be pricing them as like a, a fine defense, that's something I really want to see. Uh, I, just, I just don't understand the Bucks love uh, at this point in the season.
0: You know what's interesting, looking ahead here, uh, the Bucks play the Pats next week on Christmas Eve. They're a three-point favorite in New England, three-and-a-half-point favorite in Tampa Bay this week, which, I, I mean, I guess that shows some of the disrespect, or not disrespect, but, like, people catching up, I think, to the Bucs a little bit. Um, but I guess my immediate take would be, if you're going to bet the Bengals here, like, I, I might Bet them next week already. Um, and just kind of get out of out ahead of it. Um let's go to uh live um live game strategy for this week. Um, there are a few that I wanted to throw away, and I'm sure Brad has some as well. So where do you want to start?
3: Yeah, I'm actually gonna start with this exact game, which is especially if the script plays out uh, in that way. Rashad White reception props are gonna be extremely attractive. Uh when trailing, Rashad White has like a 30% target share. And especially with Trishan Worf's not playing, it's just it's checkdown city for Brady in the box. And if they're going to be throwing a lot, I expect to see a bunch of Rashad White targets. I wouldn't bet the receiving yards, uh, but he's not receiving targets. Receptions. I wouldn't bet receiving yards, but I would be all over those over receptions, which is actually something we we bet uh, on stream last Sunday.
0: Nice, um, Brad. Any uh, any thoughts on the on the live games this week? I have one, but I'll let you start.
2: I had one. It's uh, Thursday night, so it, it's a game we talked about a bit about. It is the Niners and C- Seattle Seahawks, so I was surprised to see this. The Niners are actually pretty susceptible on scripted plays on defense. They're actually bottom 10 in yards per drop back allowed on scripted plays. They, of course, then shore everything up and are incredible on defense, but um, they're also top five, I think, in scripted plays on offense, and so with the Brock Purdy not at 100%, and with Seattle also maybe also to score early, I was then thinking about potentially a live under after those teams maybe score early on the scripted plays and then both defenses settle in, you know, and maybe Brock Purdy's not not healthy. What are your thoughts there?
3: Yeah. So my one concern about that would be if the uh, Niners jump out to a lead, it's twofold. Number one, the Seahawks play their best uh, when they're kind of letting Gino just throw the ball. They're actually one of the best teams when they're down trailing in games. And like we know San Francisco wants to run their offense uh, from ahead. Uh, and kind of that's that's how Kyle Shanahan operates. So in that game script, I'm not sure I love the under, but the inverse, right? If Seattle jumps out to a lead and they're going to try and milk clock the running game, I don't exactly trust uh, Brock Purdy leading a comeback. And I love the under in that spot.
0: Oh, no faith, huh? Not a fan of, you're not, you don't think Brock has an
3: I oh maybe he will, but uh, I'll be betting the under. No,
0: no. I mean, one thing that you should never doubt is um, a a quarterback that you have completely written off that no one's heard of, playing for Kyle Shanahan. I mean, like I I know this gets mentioned a ton, but just for people to remember, like Nick Mullins averaged eight yards per attempt with Kyle Shanahan. I feel like it's kind of like Belichick when he has like a crappy quarterback and his like superpowers increase with uh with his defense um similar to uh that is kyle shanahan um okay here is uh here's my thought so eagles and bears um and i kind of i I think i would be interested in live betting this sort of regardless so if philly gets out to a lead um I, i like the the bears as a good you know option for or making a comeback and covering nine. Um, you know, and so I might start with nine and see uh where that goes because I could also see on the other side of things the Bears coming off of a buy. And the last time they came off that mini buy, right, they they had a really nice kind of setup for for Justin Fields. And I think that's something that you know I'd be looking to happen, but maybe not to sustain for the entire game. So that was one that I was thinking about. I mean, I'm also just really excited for that game. So uh, that was an angle that I was going into. What are your thoughts on that, Jude?
3: Yeah, I like that. Uh, that's actually something I've been uh, wanting to monitor. It's like Justin Fields is rushing, uh, which is like they didn't actually have many design rushes for him right before the bye in the last game um, coming off the entry. Mm-hmm. That's something I would want to monitor. Like if Fields is running, I, I 100% like that play. Uh, and the mm-hmm. offense really turned a corner when he was running. But like if they're not giving design rushes for him, the offense is kind of dead. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wouldn't want to touch that.
2: One yeah, note so there real what quick. You do is you, go ahead. Oh, quick, real quick, George. So he mispracticed today with an illness. Uh, some are saying it might be tankitis. I'm not sure what exactly it is, but but just just, just so you know.
0: that is uh, That would be smart. Um, very, very smart with them. Uh, Judah, it is always a pleasure. A quick reminder, everyone can find um your great content on pff.com and the PFF app. And I encourage members of the printing press to throw you a follow on Twitter check out the live stream and give you some feedback, you know, to tell them uh, what you think about it. It's something that you're trying out. Um, I know a lot of members, uh, Ben Brown, member of the printing press who loves uh, betting live and is a, has been an active member of that good community in the chat as well. Um, So it's a great place. If you're, you know, someone that is looking for kind of like live angles, go check it out, but also if you're looking to kind of learn about it, um, good opportunity to, uh, to get some uh, yeah. insight there, so I'll even
3: I'll even add uh, it's just it's a ton of fun. You get to hear me like a little child uh, excited, uh, and that's, there's nothing better than having fun watching football and uh, and at the same time. So I encourage everyone to check it out.
0: Yeah, for everyone that's looking to hear more children uh, getting excited, <laughs> um, that's uh, that's a great selling <laughs> point. It's one way. Uh, we'll it, work, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll work on the marketing angles here uh, as we go, but the content the content that's is right.
3: great. That's right.
0: That's what's right. important, Judah. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you next week. All right. As we do every single week, we close it out with the lock of the week. We missed Tage last week, and we missed him in more ways than one. Because um, maybe if you were here, Kyler Murray wouldn't have uh, exploded his knee on the third play from scrimmage, and we would have hit and, uh, hit on that uh, on that teaser. Um, but all in all, we are back. Uh, we win and we lose as a team. So Tage, whether you were here or not you know you're a part of you're a part of all our, our wins and all our failures um you experienced though uh some cool stuff last week you went to the army navy game um with uh, our dear friend the doctor eric eager and um you also uh watched the restoration of the roar so how are you feeling
4: <laughs> i'm feeling great you know it took overtime at the army navy game for it to go over in the first time in 15 years so you know when you know we like to talk about how we don't like trend betting on this show like that's exactly like why like you know finally the, the trend gets broken and kind of proves people wrong there but it was a lot of fun you know I think Eric has become a bigger Lions fan than I am at this point um so that he can notice some haters on Twitter. I really haven't
0: noticed that <laughs> um here's a here's a question for you where does going to the Army Navy game rank among these things in need to tell people that you are there? Being vegan? Doing CrossFit and going to the army navy game but how would you (laughs) rank those
4: (laughs) yeah you know uh yeah vegan people i think definitely definitely takes the cake there um cake with no eggs no milk like anything like that like it would just have to be you know flourless or whatever they do (laughs) i would
0: actually just say like quirky diets in general like Mm -hmm. at this point like there's so many people yeah yeah. they're just eating liver or you know like Crazily, and steroids. I found. Well, I found <laughs> someone that's not Liver King, that is, uh, that is like promoting this, you know, all, whatever primal ancestral diet. So there are other people out there. Anyways, this is the second we mentioned veganism twice on the show. Yeah, that's, that's really impressive. Let's get to some, uh, some betting here. Paige, we missed you. Kick us off.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, this is one that you mentioned on the forecast. Uh, but I just wanted to reiterate it. Um, you know, Cleveland minus three on Saturday, you know, I like because, well, one, like, you know, the, the Ravens are starting Tyler Huntley, who I think is a, a very good backup quarterback relative to what we see around the league. He's not a starting caliber quarterback. Deshaun Watson has played poorly, but the Browns have a better infrastructure in place to help, you know, Deshaun kind of have like maybe average production this game while Tyler Huntley doesn't have any receivers to show, Two and like David Ajoku, I think is like a really good example of this. You know, Brad, like this was a great signing by the Browns you know, this past offseason. He's fifth in yards per out run this past year. Browns still have a really good offensive line, really good run game. You know, I, I, I like them in this spot uh, to to you know cover three points against the Ravens.
0: I've been seeing minus two and a half in some spots, um, which actually makes me feel that I might be teasing the other side of it. But uh, I digress. Brad, you're up next.
2: Yeah, so that was going to be my first choice as well. I, mm. I do see two and a half uh, at MGM Tyler Huntley practiced in full today, which I, I still like it, but that is notable. I don't think we're going to get Anthony Brown in this matchup. So I'll go to another one that I mentioned uh, on Sunday. I, I love it. It's moved a point, but that's okay. It's total. And that is the over between the Dallas Cowboys and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Honestly, I did more as I did the write-up post-show and just saw a lot of the data. So real mm. quick rundown. They're both top 10 in e-paper play on offense. The Jaguars are actually 31st in EPA paper play allowed since week five. They've been a disaster on defense. Uh, they have some injuries as well. Trevon Walker probably not going to play in this game. Had been kind of coming on and playing some better football, the, you know, the first overall pick. Um, and, but then also just the Jaguars are top five this season and pressure rate allowed. So, yes, you're going to get some Michael Parsons to Marcus Lawrence. They're going to cause some problems. But Trevor Lawrence on his hot streak is under two and a half seconds. Average time to throw has been great. The pass protection has been good enough. I just love the over 47 and a half here. I think it'll be like a 31 27 type game. That's that's, that's the vibe I'm getting out of this one.
0: I like that vibe. Uh, There's a lot. I was just going to mention some totals here that have plummeted. So Ravens Browns is down to 37 that opened at 42. Dolphins bills opened at 47 down to 43 and a half. Um, The where is this here the the lions jets open 49 is down 40 to 44 and a half um cardinals at 36 and a half which is just funny i'm not even mentioning that it plummeted it's just really funny um and so there's some interesting there's kind of some interesting uh movement there and i i guess i'm curious your guys take on you know how you feel about seeing a number move dramatically and then you know are you are you a little more bearish to kind of take the other side of it. If you've seen a lot of steam, because I think a lot of people generally feel that way.
2: I'll just jump in. The first two you mentioned, I'm guessing are because of weather. Uh, It's going to be terrible weather in Buffalo and Cleveland. for Both of those games. It's kind of weird. Maybe the Vegas exposed themselves and didn't know that when they set the line. Uh, But anyway, uh, it does scare me. I think what I see, you know, obviously I want to hear you say as well, Tej, but when I see, even if it's line moving in my direction, obviously I'm happy about it. I get the closing line value and all that, but too much movement definitely always scares me. And I'm just wondering mm-hmm. like, what am I not seeing? What am I not, you know, properly mm-hmm. weighting in my evaluation of this game? Uh it, it's it's always kind of scary to see, especially, you know, across a key number as well.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big uh fade the public guy. You know, on on Sunday night when every single analyst picked the a Dolphins to win that game against the Chargers I was like oh like I should just I should just put something down on the Chargers right now if every single person thinks that the Dolphins are gonna win this game and like that's kind of like my mentality for a lot of these things you know if like I think I've seen like you know a ton of like posts on Twitter or you know on on different like kind of like sites about like everyone picking one side I do like you know stay pretty cautionary about picking that one side so when something moves you know that that big like Brad said, you know, I, I do like cautiously approach it um from like a betting perspective. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think it makes sense. Um you know you have to respect if lines move I think we talk about this a decent amount, but it should be talked about more. Lines don't move because the public is betting them generally. They're moving because someone that the book respects is is betting on them and betting on them heavily. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that the the book knows more than the public, right? There isn't going to be some like you know, ginormous group of people that get together on a, you know, on a discord and like, you know, d- just decide we're going to bet one side, right. It is people that they respect because over time their bets, you know, do well, right. And you know, they're called mm-hmm. quote unquote sharps, but like that, the book is able to look at that data and make those decisions. So, um, you know, it is noteworthy to kind of think about, do I know why this moved? And do I feel either that this has been overvalued or undervalued? And do I have some like kind of systematic, you know, edge in that in that regard? And if not, you should probably just like, you know, uh, decide not to bet it, but I am going to roll with, um, what I, you know, I think this is kind of a tricky week. Um, but I, there's some really kind of interesting matchups. I'm just going to go with the one that I actually talked about with, uh, Seth earlier, and that is Niners minus three. Um, I know that, that Seth talked about, you know, the, the rookie, uh, tackles for the Seahawks feeling better about them. Brad, you mentioned that they have a, you know, a new, uh, defense and that you know i just think that kashana is going to tear them up um and th- i think that that is going to be a a real problem for the seahawks and trying to come back is when they do they're going to try and throw the ball downfield and nick bosa is going to get to geno smith so i like niners minus three tomorrow back around to you Taish.
4: Mm-hmm. yeah no I, I like that one i actually have a prop that from that yes. game that kind of relates to that uh Geno Smith under sixteen and a half rushing yards. It's minus one fifteen on DraftKings right now. You know, I'm sure if you can shop a line, maybe you can find a minus one ten. Uh 49ers give up the fifth least amount of rushing yards to quarterbacks this year. You know, mm-hmm. we know how good their defensive line is and how good their linebacker core is with Fred Warner leading the way. So, you know, they, they don't like to give up rushing yards to quarterbacks. And Geno Smith only rushed for two yards against the 49ers uh, when they played earlier this season. So, you know, they kind of have that, um, you know, blueprint out there for, you know, how to stop Geno as a rusher. And like Geno's just not like a, a mobile quarterback in general. I think the, the Seahawks um, game plan tomorrow is going to be a lot of trying to pick on the 49ers receivers instead of running the ball uh, as as their running backs continue to pile up injuries. So, you know, I like Geno Smith under 16 and a half rushing yards. All right.
2: Brad? Yeah, so team we just talked about a little bit is the Los Angeles Chargers. They're currently laying two and a half against the Tennessee Titans. I won't say I'm in love with this one, but I, I do just think it is short. Uh, Tennessee has a bunch of injuries that they've had injuries all year, but now, you know, Traylon Burks, I don't think will play in this game. And, and I think you're also just seeing a similar matchup for Brandon Staley as he just had against those Miami Dolphins. It's a play action based offense. They're going to try to throw over the middle of the field. And I think Staley, you know, coming off of D'Amico Ryan's in San Francisco, but have shown just a, you know, play press man, bump guys off their lines, don't let them get comfortable and settle in, you know, areas of zone, just make it difficult for them to get to their spot and produce. And as bad as the run defense is, I think Herbert, with all the injuries to their defensive line, with maybe Danico Autry not playing, uh, Jeffrey Simmons hasn't been himself. He's he's not 100% healthy right now and hasn't been kind of that game-wrecking player we're used to seeing. I just think they're going to mitigate the pass rush by just ch- dinking and dunking and you know, averaging six, you know, averaged at the target for Justin Herbert. But... I think it's going to work. I think they're just going to pick apart the secondary that is also riddled with injury, and they're just a different team now that they're healthy. We might get Joey Bosa, too, against the worst tackles in the NFL and the Titans. I just think it's, it's not adjusting for the direction these two teams are going right now. Maybe I'm falling for that trap a little bit, um, but I just don't think it's accounting for the trajectory of both of these clubs right now.
0: You don't think it's accounting for watching the film on Justin Herbert?
2: <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't think it is.
0: By the way, guys, it's just so funny to me that, like, I think a lot of us, um, you know, see things are parts of different Twitter communities. And it's amazing how expansive Twitter is. Like, there are so many people in the world that just have no idea these kind of like battles rage about things like PFF grades and, and all this stuff. And it's really funny, you know, to talk to people that just have no, no idea about them. But then we joke about them. And I think it's really funny. I think that's hilarious. Uh, my <laughs> next bet is uh, Rams uh in green bay against the Packers. um so this is a down from seven and a half it's now seven it's too many points and i hate to say it but the the packers are just they're not a very good football team and um while baker mayfield is by no means uh, you know the savior in los angeles um it's he's a heck of a lot better than john wolford and with Aaron Donald potentially coming back, I don't know if we know for sure he's questionable right now, Brad, but seven is too many points for a five and eight team in the Green Bay Packers uh, and a Rams team that while bad uh, now actually has a quarterback that, you know, could could do a few things um, and has actually prepared for for this game. So, um, you know, I, I think Sean McVay is here to prove a little bit of a point. Um, they have been so bad offensively and, uh, you know, he's not going to give up on this season. No reason to. Um, so while this is kind of a do or die game, obviously, for Green Bay and you know if they lose, I think Aaron Rodgers, you know, they need to consider what they're doing there. Um, similarly, kind of that that same vibe for the Rams, even though they have really no shot. So um, I like the Rams plus seven uh, in this spot. Uh, Tej, come back around to you.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, some next gen stats for you on that that game there. Baker Mayfield, one NFC offensive player of the week this year. Aaron Rodgers has zero of mm. those awards so you know you can you can argue Baker mayfield's better quarterback because of that award so that might help the bet there um, that's a
0: next degen stat is what that is <laughs> <laughs> uh my
4: my last bet i have is miami plus seven and a half mm. um you know i i think the two i hate has gone too far uh you know Tua versus Herbert was never, like, a real debate. It was just, like, kind of one guy, like, wanting to make it a debate. Like, we we all knew Herbert was a better quarterback, but that's, like, taking us away that, like, Tua has driven the car really well in this offense when it's been running well. And I think like this is the game we see the Mike McDaniel counter punch mm. for the punches that have been thrown at him with all the press coverage that the Dolphins have been getting lately. And like Tua is still ranked second in EPA per play among quarterbacks. I know like the last two weeks haven't been good, but they're they're you know, Miami's pass offense is still efficient. And you have, you know, the, the probably like the top three wide receiver duo in the league that can take advantage of the Bills injured defense right now. And then Josh Allen has quietly had average production ranks 14th in EPA per play the past month um as he's been dealing with his injury and now it's pretty buoyed from a Patriots game where him and Stefan Diggs just got to do wherever they wanted but you know the Jets gave them a tough time the Lions gave them a tough time for you know most of the game there and you know I don't think this Dolphins defense is particularly great but maybe because of Josh Allen playing through an injury they can kind of take advantage of that um and, and Brad mentioned the the weather aspect of things too that might slow down the um the Bills passing attack there as well.
2: I like that. Yeah. We talk about playing, you know, large spreads in low total games. And I think weather also, like particularly weather games as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think Mike McDaniel will take advantage of those things. So I like that. Uh, last one here. I am definitely happy that Judah agrees with this one and sees it the same way. We talked about it a bunch on Sunday, but it is the Cincinnati Bengals laying three and a half points at Tampa Bay. There are some injuries to monitor here. So, you know, I, I think this Bucks team without Tristan Wirfs, maybe the best tackle in the NFL, is just a dramatically different football team. Mm-hmm. And then also they lose Jamel Dean, one of our highest graded corners in the NFL this year in the last couple of years, will not play in this game as well. So even though they might get back Antoine Winfield, they might get back a couple players in the secondary, Dean is a massive loss. And I still just think this offense without Tristan Wirfs um, is going to struggle. That said, Trey Hendrickson did not practice today, which obviously would help, you know, uh, rush Tom Brady. And then Mike Hilton, the slot corner, who obviously Mm. we probably see a lot of Chris Godwin, also didn't practice today. But I think those guys both are on track to play. Uh, Tyler Boyd and T Higgins were limited today, so they're getting in practice. Uh, So long answer short, they're just a a significantly better football team, frankly. And and if they get those guys back, which I think they will, I like them a lot in this spot. So it looks like we're not going
0: to have a teaser this week, which I feel really good about. I think it's been a lot of teasers. My last one here is one that we mentioned a little bit earlier. Giants commanders. And this is very simple. The Daniel Jones hate while well, valid, um, in contrast to how Taylor Heineke has played, um, just doesn't feel right for four and a half. Um, Daniel Jones, the better quarterback. I think it's, you know, significant enough in a game that is being played two hours away from home, um, against a team that they just played with a total of 40 and a half, this spread to be more like three. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the both these teams are our average. And, um, I think that it should be kind of balanced as such. So I, I will rock with giants plus four and a half. Okay. Um, let me kick this off guys. I, I think my favorite, um, of anything that I've heard thus far is Cowboys Jags over, um, liked it on Sunday, still like it. Call me bullish on, uh, Trevor Lawrence, but that's the one that stuck out to me. Where else are, are you guys leaning?
4: Yeah, I, I like the Cowboys Jags over as well and then you know when brad laid out uh Bengals minus three and a half there and all his reasoning that he put into that i i wish i i gave that one out too because when when he was going through it i i uh, i like that one also so you know i think you can choose between one of those two there
2: yeah when arjun likes it when judah likes it you know i think i think that says a lot um those are definitely my two favorite. Those are the two that I was going to go with. Uh, but I'm down for a, a three-pack. Maybe, you know, get the get a bounce back, George. We did two last week. Maybe we go back mm-hmm. to three, kind of spice things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so if we go
0: Cowboys, Jags, and then Bengals, what is our third going to be here?
2: I don't hate Giants. I think it is too many points. Um, okay. I mean, I don't hate the Brownies from Tej either. I, I, I took them on – I think you took them as well on Sunday. Um, yeah. That's asking for a lot because that's a lot of eggs
0: in one very, very disgusting basket.
4: It's
0: true. It's true. Uh, I don't know, Tej, where's your head at?
4: Um, I think, you know, if we wanted something on on Thursday, like on the Thursday game yeah. tomorrow, I know you'll be into it, George, since the 49ers are playing, but for the rest of us here, uh, I, I I mean, I, I felt you know pretty good about the Geno Smith under uh, okay. 16 and a half rushing yards.
0: I like it so there it is we've got a prop a total and a spread the player prop Thursday night Gino Smith under 16 and a half rushing yards if you're feeling a little spicy join me on the Niners. um but I'll let that uh I'll let that be up to you guys uh, at home on um Sunday we have the total of the Cowboys and the Jags over 47 and a half and then Bengals, minus minus three and a half in Tampa Bay against the fighting Tom Brady so those are the locks of the week. Um, you can check out Tej on Twitter. He's a great follow. Posts some fantastic content and writes some fantastic content on pff.com and the PFF app. Um, Tej, what is it? Tej, Tej FB Analytics again? Well, I just—I'll mm-hmm. never remember this. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, no, you, you nailed it. I, nailed it? I, I tried. I tried to get pff underscore Seth, but that was already taken. Mm-hmm. So I had to settle for for that one. We can work yeah, on that. Want-
2: We'll figure that out.
0: Elon's been really good at making sure that no one impersonates, uh, you know, people with such dangerous football thoughts. Um, (laughs) Galena. Uh, That was our podcast. Members of Printing Press, everybody for tuning in. We appreciate you. We'll be back on Sunday night as usual. Have a wonderful and safe weekend. Peace.